One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This was our second Sasquatch sighting as a group. I and two other good friends live in British Columbia, Canada. We've had a previous frightening sighting of a Sasquatch that visited us in the deep forest at our campsite, but this time was in the sand dunes. We go there for a spring break sometimes with our motocross bikes. After a long day of play in the dunes, we resorted to hanging out at the campsite. As we were sitting at the table, I noticed a large figure in the darkness walking in the middle of the road. I told my friends and we walked towards the figure. It never made a noise, not even sounds of walking. I clearly saw the figure walk directly out on the road and then it disappeared out of view. I don't think it was a person for a number of reasons. First of all, it was so dark that only the moon and residual light from campsites lit the area. Farther away, it was pitch darkness and the overnight temp was below freezing. This was a startling experience. 
Our first experience with a Sasquatch scared us very badly. It was stalking us in the bush. We watched it as it was watching us from roughly 10, 15 feet away. Just sitting there watching us, we could clearly see it. We sat there on a log by the fire, terrified. My friend Dan came up with a plan to scare it away. We slowly added more wood to the fire for more light. Jamie and I grabbed burning tree limbs from the fire as Dan jumped on his 250 and hit the kickstart and popped the clutch. As soon as the motor kicked over the Baja headlamp turned on, the light was on the Sasquatch that was mortified. You could see its facial expression. It was now terrified as we were. Jamie and I jumped up yelling with the logs and fire. Dan then rode his bike right up to hit, trying to hit it. The Sasquatch freaked out and ran down the trail. We regrouped by the fire and tried to come up with an exit plan. We had ridden in on dirt bikes. Only one had a headlight, and the trail was too tight to ride in formation. We waited the first light to leave. As soon as there was enough light to see in the trails, we packed up and left. No one has believed us since. Only one other person has experienced with Jamie and Dan. A year after our first encounter, Jamie and Dan took a friend, Jared to the same campsite to shoot off fireworks for New Year's. They rode in on two dirt bikes, both with headlights. As they were shooting off the fireworks when the area was silenced, when not using fireworks, they could hear what would logically be a blue gross mating call, somewhat of an ump noise. They heard the noise all night long, didn't think too much about it. It became louder and louder. Then they heard the bushes moving, and then something ran by them at close range. It ran into Jamie's bike, knocking it over on the side of the kickstand. They lit off all their fireworks in every direction. They had backpacks full. As one prepped the bikes, then Jared and Dan doubled on Dan's bike, and Jamie, whose bike was knocked over, couldn't get his bike started. The electric start was turning over and over, and he said he had the sense of something walking up behind him. Then his bike started. He pinned the throttle wide open, two-stroke motor, dumped the clutch and rode off at a motocross speed. Since then, we're a little paranoid of camping there again. Fifteen years ago, I was a young adventurer in search of new experiences and a chance to escape the monotony of my daily life. I landed a seasonal job with the United States Forest Service in western Colorado for the summer. It was a dream come true, allowing me to explore the wild and experience the beauty of nature up close. I was stationed in an old ranger cabin deep in the heart of the forest. It was quaint, rustic, and charming in its own way, but it was also quite isolated. I was the sole occupant of the cabin responsible for patrolling the area, maintaining trails, and keeping an eye out for any potential issues in the forest. One night after a long day of work, I settled into my cozy bed, the moonlight casting eerie shadows through the cracks in the wooden walls. I drifted off to sleep, my dreams filled with images of the forest and the creatures that called it home. In the midst of my slumber, I suddenly found myself in the grips of a vivid dream, it felt so real that I could almost touch it. In the dream, I was lying in bed, the darkness of the cabin enveloping me when I heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps outside. 
The sound was faint at first, but grew louder and more persistent, as if someone, or something, was pacing around the cabin, searching for a way in. My heart raced as I lay there, paralyzed by fear, unable to move or cry out for help. The footsteps grew nearer, and I could hear the sound of gravel crunching underfoot as the unknown intruder approached the front door. To my horror, the door creaked open and a chilling draft swept through the cabin. I woke with a start, my heart pounding in my chest and the echo of the dream still ringing in my ears. With trepidation, I glanced around the dimly lit cabin, my eyes slowly adjusting to the darkness. To my utter disbelief, the front door was wide open, just as it had been in my dream. A shiver ran down my spine and the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. Unable to shake the feeling of unease, I searched the cabin for any sign of an intruder but found nothing amiss. I closed and locked the door, my mind racing with thoughts of what could have happened. Was it simply a coincidence, or had my dream been a premonition of something sinister? For the rest of the summer, I couldn't shake the fear that had taken hold of me that night. I made sure to secure the cabin every evening and slept with a large knife close by, just in case. The day has passed without incident, but the memory of that terrifying night remained etched in my mind. Now, fifteen years later, I still find myself thinking about that summer in the old ranger station. The beauty of the forest, the excitement of exploration, and the lingering sense of unease that haunted my dreams. I can't say for certain what happened that night, or if it was merely the product of an overactive imagination. But one thing is clear, the forest holds secrets, and sometimes those secrets can seep into our dreams, leaving us with an unsettling reminder of the unknown that lies just beyond our reach. I'm Andy, a forest ranger in Sequoia. My duty was to protect the national park. So one day I received a tip about illegal activities taking place within a small section of the woods. Specifically, I was informed about a drug lab hidden deep in the heart of the wilderness. Armed with this information, I knew it was my responsibility to investigate and ensure the safety of the park and its visitors. Reading the coordinates scribbled on the note, I decided to scout the location myself before involving the police. It was already nighttime when I arrived at the designated area, parking my jeep just outside the woods. The darkness enveloped the surrounding trees, casting long, eerie shadows that danced with every flicker of moonlight. Determined to uncover the truth, I embarked on foot, my flashlight piercing through the darkness ahead. The air was heavy with anticipation as I navigated the unfamiliar terrain, relying on my knowledge of the park's trails and my instincts as a ranger. The sounds of nocturnal creatures and rustling leaves served as a haunting soundtrack to my journey. As I pressed forward, my attention was suddenly captured by an unusual green light. It flickered in the distance, drawing me closer with an irresistible curiosity. I cautiously made my way toward it, my heart pounding in my chest. To my astonishment, the source of the light revealed itself to be a figure. A banshee-like apparition, or perhaps a young girl with an ethereal presence. Her gaze met mine, and in that moment I felt an eerie connection. I cautiously called out hello, but she remained silent, her head turning slowly to face me. Her smile was unsettling, 
almost satanic in nature. And just like that, she vanished before my eyes, leaving me stunned and questioning the reality of what I had witnessed. Shaking off the encounter, I continued my mission to locate the supposed drug lab. However, upon reaching the designated area, I found no trace of any illegal operation. It was as if the information I had received was fake or diverse, and much like the mysterious figure in the woods. As I made my way back to my cabin, the events of the night replayed in my mind. What was the meaning behind that unearthly encounter? Had I stumbled upon something beyond the realm of the natural world? Or was it simply a trick of the imagination, an illusion born out of the darkness and my own weariness? One of the scariest experiences of my life was in Tampa, Clearwater, Florida. I had to go get someone and help them move away. We were stalked by a Scientologist. No joke, I would go on the porch to smoke, and they had a person watching us from the window next door. Hoodie up, barely any light, and just stood there staring the whole time. I didn't even see them move at all. I was scared to even go to sleep. When we went out into town, they would follow us around. I couldn't even tell you everything that happened, from having random numbers screamed at me and being overall strange. I would rather deal with anything the backwoods can throw at me rather than that cult. So if you want a terrifying experience, just make Scientology mad law. I live in the backwoods and feel way safer here than I ever did there. Well, that's my scary Florida experience. I'm in North Florida, and I've had some weird things happen. Beyond my backyard is about 50 acres or more of woodland that is uninhabited. Beyond that, it's rural and not too many people around. You can hear deer, possums, raccoons, and hogs at night tromping through the brush. But there's something else out there every now and then. It walks with the pacing of a person. And loud, too, like someone was walking around, not bothering to be sneaky about it. I've shined a flashlight near the sound like I've done before, because I like to see the wildlife you don't usually get to watch. When I do this, the animals will freeze, and I can sometimes catch a glimpse if they're not too far. This happens with this thing, but the steps never come back. I spent hours outside after this, and I have never heard a peep after looking for the source. There will also be no sounds of any other critters for quite some time, which is creepy by itself. It's unnerving and reaches something deep in you that makes you feel like everything is off. About a year ago, something had begun to terrorize my cats and injured one a bit, but nothing life-threatening yet. One night, my kittens were being attacked and the mama cat was scared, which is the opposite of her nature with them. It was chaos, cats screaming and whatnot. So I got my shotgun and went out. A black cat had chased them up a tree. It was just sitting at the base of the tree. I can't properly explain the feeling I got from it. It's a pretty regular occurrence to have feral cats come through, and they're fairly dangerous to small animals. I was able to walk up to the back fence where it was about six foot to the tree with my kittens and the asshole cat. It didn't budge when I got close. No fear at all. I shot my shotgun into the brush to get it to run off. Didn't even flinch. At this point, it was my cat's or this stray, so I made the difficult decision to shoot it. 
from six foot away with a 12 gauge. I missed. I'm a very good shot, as I've had a lot of training through law enforcement employment. The damn cat still didn't move. I shot at it two more times with no damage to the cat. It meandered off like nothing had happened. I've tried to figure out how this could be rationally explained, and I've got nothing. During the day, things will get weird, too. If you go for a stroll in the woods, as my four-year-old loves to do, you will find yourself in the eerie silence I mentioned before. No birds, no squirrels, nothing. And you begin to see a figure out of the corner of your eye. It goes from tree to tree, and you never have enough time to turn and look at it. My wife has seen it, too, so I know it's not a peripheral artifact of some sort. Once you're being followed by whatever this is, it won't leave you until you leave the woods. My father was a park ranger, and he always loved the woods as nature provided him and his family with countless memories. And my grandfather was also an explorer, so he always used to wander many places with his curious mind. Eventually, my father acquired the trade and became a ranger. It was one of those holidays when tourists come in search of adventure but end up getting in trouble. People come to the national parks for fun, experience some for field research. However, there was this team who my father had assisted. They had come in search of a secret toy unknown. Now I know I may sound like a total dumbstruck human but they were a team of five researchers who were sane and educated, maybe more than the rest. One night, my father's acquaintance got a signal on walkie, talkie. It was a signal from one of his fellow researchers. After grabbing his rifle, he went ahead and investigated. When his jeep would not allow him to go any further, they had to walk the rest of the path. The tracker with the group stopped working after one time. So now, they had to search in two different directions. Therefore, they decided to tie ribbons that way they were going so nobody could get lost. Yellow was his color, and blue was one of his partners. As my father went ahead, he tied ribbons as a mark of the way. He kept venturing deeper into the woods, but could not find the group. Therefore, he tried to contact his partner through walkie-talkie, but never did get an answer back. Now, he is still walking and tying ribbons. When one time he encountered a yellow ribbon tied to a tree, maybe he took a different route before. Then again, he did go into a different direction looking out for them. After 15 to 20 minutes, he encountered the ribbon yet again. This kept happening, so this time he stopped to take a rest. While he was sitting under the tree, he looked up casually and the ribbon caught his eye. It looked different for some reason. So he got up to look at it, and to his surprise, this was not the ribbon he tied earlier. These ribbons looked old and worn out. Besides, the knot on the ribbon was double knotted, and he tied them in, only one knot. This area is restricted where only important personnel were allowed. So who would come all the way out here and tie these yellow ribbons halfway to a tree? He knew something was amiss. My father came up with the idea of following these unknown marks and finding. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...his way to the correct ones. When he was walking his way back, he heard some signing and there was light coming from that direction. When he was walking in the direction of the light, he discovered a group of researchers who were wearing weird clothing and dancing in circles with fire in the middle. There were only four of them. One person was missing. He had hid behind a big tree and tried to figure out what they were trying to do. Two of them went into the woods, brought a big wooden branch and a man tied to it, his two hands and legs bound together. He was definitely dead, and they tried to cook him alive. My father was scared to see this, so he reached up to contact his partner. But there was no response. After having that choice, he left. But when he got up, he heard the sound that something was still around. And now... His life was in danger. He too ran away. And these cannibalistic murderers were still behind him. He climbed up a tree to try and divert their attention. And they were there waiting for him just below the tree. When he carefully looked at their feet, he could see that these things, they weren't exactly people, but like people. They were wicked looking. Well, they looked human. They were different in appearance. He knew immediately something was very wrong. These things scoured around the forest looking for him. They didn't realize that he had climbed himself up in a tree and was waiting for these things to leave. They were these hideous-looking creatures that were like men, but emaciated, slender and white, having huge fangs and large, hollowed-out eyes. And once they had finally disappeared, he slowly made his way down the tree, looking for every direction, making sure these things were not coming back. That's when my father began to fall unconscious. He was poisoned. Something had seeped into his skin, and he fell right there, collapsing on the forest floor. Next thing, he's waking up in the hospital when he described the incident to senior officials, and they denied his statement. Any clearance he had should have been revoked. It was very shortly after this that he was no longer a park ranger. He was stripped of virtually everything he had at that career. It was also after this that my father had received multiple death threats. There were some things he's seen that day and information he knows that is very sensitive, and that is not allowed to escape into the public. My dad used to rent this house way out in the middle of nowhere. A good 45 minutes from any town, the closest neighbor was another 15 minutes away. On this property were several enclosures for raising pheasants. These belonged to the property owner, so my dad had no responsibility towards them, other than to notify the owner if he saw anything wrong. He was high school buddies with the owner, so they were on good terms. 
Well, one morning he notices something very wrong. In the pheasant enclosure furthest from the house, with a good fifty or so birds, every single one of them had been slaughtered overnight. What was even weirder was that it didn't seem to be an act of predation. None of the birds seemed to have been consumed. Luckily, the owner had cameras, and they got to see what really happened. So sometime in the middle of the night, a man neither of them recognized had wandered onto the property. He made no attempt to approach the house, but instead crawled under the enclosure's fence and proceeded to catch and stab each pheasant with a knife while wearing a headlamp. They caught the entire event on camera, from him entering the property till he left early in the morning. The police were called, but nothing ever came of it. My dad was so freaked out from the whole event that he made us stay with our mom for several weeks while he slept in bed with a gun. The property owner tightened up security with new fences and alarms. He even bought some guard dogs. They were very well trained and super friendly to anyone who'd approach them during the day. Nothing ever happened again on that farm, and the bird-killing psycho was never found. My name is Jake, and I'm a National Guard agent. My unit and I were deployed to a remote region in Appalachia Mountains to investigate the sudden disappearance of several hikers and campers. As we arrived, we were immediately met with fearful whispers and nervous glances from the few remaining locals. They told us terrifying stories of a creature called the Crawler, which had been spotted lurking in the shadows of the dense forest. Though the stories seemed unbelievable, the fear in the eyes of those who had seen the crawler was genuine. Unsettled but determined to find the missing people, my unit and I ventured deep into the uncharted wilderness. The locals gave us map of places where disappearances happened. Our search led us to a series of underground tunnels and caves, a hidden world that seemed to stretch on forever. As we descended further into darkness, our flashlights barely cutting through the gloom, we came face to face with the horrifying reality of the crawler. It was a monstrous being, unlike anything we'd ever seen, capable of hunting and killing with terrifying ease. We spotted it while it was devouring some corpse. We aimed our rifles and started shooting. We knew we had to use our tactical training and survival instincts to evade the creature. The creature was fast, even killing few of our men, but in the end it fallen under the barrage of our bullets. As we approached the carcass of a cryptid, we noticed a stamp that said United States Government. As we returned to the surface carrying the lifeless carcass of the crawler with us, we couldn't help but wonder what other secrets lay hidden in the uncharted wilderness. Our mission had succeeded but the truth we'd discovered left us questioning the world we thought we knew. In the end, we'd vanquished a cryptid, but the secrets of government involvement that surrounded it would continue to haunt us. I was critically injured after being attacked by a large and powerful unknown creature. The attack took place one night in an abandoned building on the outskirts of town. My close friend and colleague who was with me at the time described what he witnessed that night. I was there with him. We were searching the building for a suspect when all of a sudden something came rushing out of one of the rooms. It knocked me off my feet. When I got back up, he was being attacked by this monster. 
It was much stronger than anything I've seen. It was able to throw me ten feet in the air with ease. My partner pulled up his firearm, firing it several times, but it wouldn't budge an inch, like the bullets didn't even bother it. I don't know what happened after that. I blacked out for several moments. When I came to, the creature had already disappeared, and I was unconscious, badly injured and bleeding with a head injury and broken ribs. I remember seeing my partner pointing his firearm at an unknown creature. I felt my gun jam. When I looked up, the unknown being seemed to disappear in front of me. I went to check on my partner and found him not breathing. I was able to regain consciousness, but quickly collapsed again shortly thereafter. Police officers were immediately dispatched to the scene. They took both of us to a nearby hospital for treatment. We both sustained serious injuries and were unable to work for several months during the recovery period. Sometimes some of the scariest things don't necessarily have to be a torn up body or tons of blood. They just have to be unexplained. So I work for the forestry department and I often travel around conducting various bits of research. I've gotten to travel far and wide, often ending up in the most remote and often beautiful places that would be extremely unlikely to see your average Joe ever go to, unless, like me, it was something to do with their job. Therefore, when you find something in one of these spots that has very obviously been left by a person, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason for it. You can't help but jump to nefarious conclusions. So, when you're out in the middle of absolutely nowhere up in the ass end of Canada, with nothing around for miles, and you find a bed, it's kind of weird, if not downright unnerving. And I want to be clear, I don't mean like some leaves and twigs, something somebody had created as a bed for themselves. I mean an actual single wooden bed, complete with rotten, moldy mattresses, multiple mattresses, can you think of a singular reason why that would be there? There are no houses or any sort of building structures that used to be or are still there for miles and miles. In fact, the nearest road, I believe, is about 46 miles away, or in Canadian, 46 kilometers. There were no recent tracks except mine, although from the state of it, it did seem like it had been there for a very long time. It seemed like a very unusual place just to dump a bed you didn't want anymore. And also, why? Who would haul a bed all the way out here? I ended up alerting the cops, wondering if maybe it had been used for a crime and dumped out here since it was unlikely anybody would ever find it. Or maybe this was some kind of gang kill location. It seemed rather implausible, and thankfully I couldn't see any obvious stains on the bed or around it. But who knew? I've never heard back about it, so I guess it wasn't the missing puzzle piece in some nationwide serial killer hunt, but I still can't think of a single good reason why it would have been there. Me and my friend were bone hunting. I live in a very rural place in the Pacific Northwest. We went about a mile off a trail and were pretty deep in the woods miles from anyone. We were coming down from this hill next to a stream and started getting into some thick brush and trees. That's when we heard this deep growl. We both stopped. I was a few yards away from him and was closer to the noise. 
He asked me if I heard it too. We both stood still, although I couldn't see. Him, well. I knew we were both looking in the direction of the sound. We didn't see any movement or heard it again. It was very creepy, and we have no idea what it was. I don't know what would be creepier if it was an animal or something paranormal. So I'm going to start this off with some backstory. I was minding my own business alongside my parents in a nice home in northeast Alabama. I'm not sure exactly when this was, but I was around seven in age. Anyways, we're sleeping peacefully, and suddenly we're all three awoken by this absolutely terrible growling sound, almost like that of a bear. This wasn't just a normal sound, though. It sounded like it was on our front porch. My dad assumes that a black bear has decided to chill on our porch, and he grabs his shotgun, prepared to defend himself if necessary. He holds me and my mother up and goes outside, ready to confront this bear. To his surprise, no bear was outside. He assumes it ran off and tells us we can just go to sleep again since all is fine. He assured us that bears can't unlock doors like that helped any. Right before we begin falling asleep again, we hear a very distant giggling. This doesn't give off the vibe of a normal giggle, though. It gives off that, oh, hell no tone that makes you just want to get out of Dodge. My mother whispers to my dad, What the hell was that? And my dad whispers over to me, Was that you? I simply reply, No. Another few moments pass, and we hear a slight yelp, seemingly closer, but also quieter. We don't think anything of it. At least that's until we hear a woman scream distantly. This once again gets my dad and mother up and alert. My dad once again grabs his shotgun, but this time he doesn't go outside. He even seems scared now. Obviously, this worries me. After about 30 seconds of us kind of just sitting around, another scream happens. But this time, it's directly in our yard, about 10 yards away. My dad rushes to turn off the lights and simply whispers, don't say a word. I'm not sure what exactly happened after that, but nothing else seemingly happened that night. I'd assume I dozed off. I'm not sure why this only just now clicked with me, but I now realize this fits the description of a skinwalker really well. It's possible it might have all been a misunderstanding by my family, but I simply don't think that'd be the case considering my parents recall the same things. I've recently done a lot of research into skinwalkers, and I've rethought this past trauma of mine and made a connection. Sorry for this being drawn out, but I just randomly decided to post this before I forgot any important notes on the event, even though I doubt I'd likely ever forget any of this. Extra note. I'm sure somebody would ask this, so I'm gonna go ahead and answer it. I didn't have nightmares and stuff before the event, other than the usual child nightmare stuff, but I did have a few eerie nightmares directly following the event. One dream I dreamed of being chased down a hallway by some creature. Not sure if it was human or what. Another dream I had my entire family's voices had gone demonically deep, and they all kept saying, don't hide. And the last one I'll point out is a dream where my mother disappeared out of nowhere, like thin air out of the car. All of these I vividly remember and still creep me out to this day.
I am posting this for my boyfriend who doesn't have a Reddit. Last weekend, he went on a two-mile hike into a small creek to fish in North Carolina. On his way up the mountain, he kept thinking that he saw things in his peripheral vision, looking backwards to see shadowy dark crags in rocks or a shadow falling along the tree bark. The mountain air was crisp and refreshing. At an altitude of over 2,000 feet, Yet whenever he felt this weird presence, he described smelling something like a propane tank up to his nostrils, sulfur and damp stickiness. There was no explanation or reason to smell that in this place. He had visited many times before and never smelled this in the area. The whole way up, the unsettling feeling of being watched maintained and he just kept chanting God, is with me, I will fear no evil. He swore to me that he felt like something was following him, all the way up, maybe too scared to get close, and that he now thought he knew what a demon smelled like. He made it to his fishing spot and returning down the mountain, again saw the unmistakable shadowy movement out of the corner of his eye, blend back into the trees behind him. Has anyone ever been alone in the woods and smelt that same smell or felt any kind of presence like this? I know that there is a lot of folklore around the Appalachian Mountains about haints and things of that sort. I think he wants to figure out what it means and know if he's alone in this experience. The place was called Panther Town Creek. 